Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Hey, this week I'm super excited because we have a guest on our show, Kevin Butcher, who brought the message on Sunday, is on the episode today, and he's talking about discovering rest in the love and the heart of God. And if you weren't there on Sunday, please listen to that. It was powerful. It does get cut off right at the end, and I apologize for that. But hey, tune into this episode. Um, It's really important for you to hear some of the things he has to say. Without any further ado, let's dive in. Hello. I'm partially in the show. (laughs) 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 I think I need to move the camera just so slightly. I I mean, I I could also just snuggle with Alex. Um, I'll just move the camera. Welcome to the show, Red Couch Theology Podcast. Alex, will you take this while I go be the production take guy for a moment? The, like introduction, the introduction introduction of Kevin, all of the things <laughs> that should have happened. I love it. Yeah, I'm going to go well, be the producer for a second. Well, uh, welcome to the show. Um, as always, chaotic, always uh, the opposite of well-planned, whatever the term is that. Uh, it is delightful to have, in Ke- have Kevin Butcher with us. Uh, and Kevin, you uh, preached on Sunday, uh, and that's why you're here, but also just you bring a lot outside of just preaching on Sunday. Mm. You were a pastor in my one of my favorite cities yep. for 30 years, 20 yeah, years in Detroit? 32 or 3, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Detroit, Michigan, the, mm. uh, the heartbeat of America. Yep. The home of America's team, yep. the Detroit Lions. Leave yeah, he out. was... Uh, I almost called you out the other day when we had lunch and... And you were wearing a Lions oh, logo on your logo? shirt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. was going to make fun of you for it, but. I mean, we haven't really had a chance to wear anything with a Lions logo Absolutely. for a long, long time. And, and now the last <laughs> thing you do is make fun of a person with a Lions shirt on. Yeah. It's like. No, we still can. No, we're, the, we're like the guys right now. And if you have any kind of heart. Yeah. Yeah. You have any kind of heart, yeah. If you're a you human being, us. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so uh, you you it there. I got to see just some elements of that from a distance, and we met bizarrely, and maybe we've even talked about this before. Bizarrely, at an event, I think in 2015, yeah. 14. Um, yeah, for uh, real. Yeah, uh, and uh, and then independently or to all that, you moved here. To be around grandchildren and children, yep. uh, and now you run Rooted Ministries. Which uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, Rooted started out of really uh, Carla and my loneliness mm. for thirty-five years yeah. in ministry. Re- remarkably, we never had an older couple or an older like she never had an older woman, even when mm. she was just a young mom of 26, just out of seminary, never had someone come up and say, hey, I, I see you. Don't, you've got your hands full here. Let me just mm. be here for you. Never yes. once, all the way to the end, 35 mm. years later. Yeah. And I had a couple of guys that, uh, maybe one or maybe two that tried to be that. And they ended up being not very trustworthy kinds of human beings. In fact, they kind of screwed us over oh, in the man. long run. So mm. out of that kind of emptiness, loneliness, and and uh, not really having anybody to really talk to. I mean, we, we had folks that were over us that could mm-hmm. fire us if we got on us. And we had <laughs> folks... Those are the folks you really want to be honest with. You do, Well, you want to, but you can't. I mean, it protects you, it Just protects really them. Just really struggling with my faith right now. <laughs> yeah, right. You're fired. <laughs> yeah, like, love you, 
but that's not going to work for us. Yeah. Um, and then of course you, you can't use your, um, parish as your group therapy you for sure. I mean, that's abusive. Yeah. So who does the pastor, who does his spouse or her spouse talk with? And, uh, so rooted was birthed out of that. And so we create, it's kind of an overused phrase, but it's real for us. We create safe space yes. for pastors and nonprofit lead, Christian nonprofit leaders, same kind of a category uh-huh. of human being and their families to be able to reconnect with themselves in a safe place to share mm-hmm. whatever is real. And our ultimate goal is to reconnect. And for some of them, ironically, to connect them deeply with the love of God for the yeah. first time. So our, our moniker comes out of Ephesians 3, where Paul's prayer is to, that we might be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, mm-hmm. which is to be filled with all the fullness of God. That's so beautiful. So that's what we yeah. do. And I think for, for people maybe that haven't been involved in ministry, it's really easy to 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 not understand some of the pressures of pastoral ministry, which is a calling, uh, which is a beautiful thing. You know, it's there's awesome. some aspects to it yeah. that are just just incredible. I, you know, you get to come alongside people in some of their highlights, their lowlights. Yes, uh, care for them. You you think about the church world all day, every day, all day, every day, um, and then, and then it comes with some weird dichotomies in that. I think there's lots of pastors that that struggle with the what's the relationship with people in the church because there's there's an expectation that what, are we friends are yeah, we exactly. not friends right. are we you know uh, do I work for you do you work for me yeah. there's all of these different elements and everybody comes in with their own baggage background even yes. if they've not been a part of a church yeah. they come in with what they think the pastor uh-huh. is supposed to be used to be whether that person in their mind was a hero yeah or or somebody that hurt them deeply yes they you know it's called uh, um transference i mean freud called yeah. it transference where yeah. people transfer onto you in that leadership position actually burden a, 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 a they they want you to be more than you can possibly be, mm-hmm. or they're already judging you for being so much less than maybe you really are. <laughs> and it's unconscious. It's not like people come in and say, yeah. I'm going to really give this young pastor going over. <laughs> they, it's in their heads and they're not even aware of it. I, I think I've had maybe one person in, and I've, I mean, I've been around ministry for 20 odd years now, but so it's been, it's been a while, but I think in that season, one person that's just really called it out from that like parishioner position i I remember going with a family in new york to one of the theme parks and and this guy steve and i were stood in line about to buy food and he looked at me he said this must be really weird for you like like yeah is this work is this not work is this friendship is this not friendship like are you selling the church because they were kind of new are you like like what is this and I, I actually just really appreciated him, at least just naming it, yeah. just naming yeah, some man. of the, the, the challenge there. <clears throat> so on yeah. one hand, there's all of these awkward, not awkward, all of these complicated relationships. I, I always felt lucky because I like everyone for the most part. So I'm, yeah. I'm always looking for more friends. So I'm, if people feel it's friendship, then I, I can get them. Yeah, yeah. So there's all that. And, and then the number of pastors that struggle with something like imposter syndrome or, or oh, yeah. that, that leads quite often to this separation in terms of their understanding of their lo- the, of the love of God for them. Um, I, I think there's lots of pastors that would seek in an honest moment, say something like, I know God loves me theologically, not very sure that, he likes me that, 
And if he was here right now, I feel like he might say he doesn't think I'm doing a very good job. Uh, all of that. And it's all about shame, as yeah. you know. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. I'm I'm never going to measure up. I'm, I am I know all the Greek words for love. Uh-huh. You know, agape, storge, eros, philos, and yeah. others. But in terms of really experiencing that, and, and look, many people that go into the care professions, we just know this statistically, whether it's a, a nurse, um, uh, an officer of the law or mm-hmm. whatever, pastors, we, we come out of backgrounds often where we have not been well loved. Mm-hmm. I mean, our parents may have done the best they could, but it just didn't work. Yeah. And and so we unconsciously want to help others. Mm-hmm. But until you encounter that love, yeah. we're only giving away what we've received. Mm-hmm. And, and so if we don't create space for our leaders... Mm-hmm to encounter in an experiential way. I really believe that. I mean, mm. I can't tell you how many people have said, I know, I know what God's love is that John three sixteen tells me. And I'm like, if that's all you've got, that's akin to my daughters only having a, a, a postcard. I wrote them on one of their birthdays, <laughs> you know, yes. if they don't have a, yeah. a heart full of experience yeah. with their father so that when they wonder if their dad loves them, they go, Oh, oh wait. Of course he does. And we're, we're, yeah. without pushing into the message yet, you, you <clears throat> talk briefly about that. I, I love when my kids have come home with something that they wrote on Father's Day or perhaps it's yeah. for a Mother's Day. And one of the questions is, I know my dad loves me. I know my mom loves me because. because. And then seeing what they say. Yes, exactly. Um, and and, and, and course, if it's just, you wrote me a card one time well, when I was that, nine. No, no who, never. No, um, they don't. But and, we expect that. That's like God's God's card to us is John three sixteen. And yes. if that's not enough, then why don't you yeah, have more faith? Yeah. And I just think it's insane. Yeah, and I think you 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 tapped into that all of those struggles uh, of a pastor so well. I personally went into ministry out of guilt, so I'm a little <laughs> different. <laughs> Well done. Well done. <laughs> At least you know it now, right? <laughs> uh, well, so Kevin's had. Um, you know, he just shared about the ministry he's a part of, but that ministry is also blessed South in ways that mm. maybe you all don't know. You know, I've met with Kevin multiple times. I know Alex has met with Kevin. Kevin's met with other staff people and just right. done a lot of ministry and just a lot of seeing and acknowledging mm-hmm. the staff in various different ways. Many of you out there, maybe even when he's preached and he's had chances to sit down with you. So He's sort of just this hovering presence that uh, shows up and encourages a ca- from time to time. But so. not in a specter-like way of hovering. <laughs> no, it's a good no, hovering. It's not a looming way, but just, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good hovering. It's like, I, I feel like when I know that people have gone to go hang out with Kevin, I feel like they go to breakfast or lunch feeling that they might be a little bit crazy and come back feeling that they're they actually were. okay and loved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's going to be a good lunch. That's great, good. Yeah. That's a great it's a beautiful thing. thing. Well, you, yeah, you brought the message on Sunday and, um, well, maybe what were you asked to bring? Like, <laughs> and, and like, so we're in this series on, on, on mental and emotional health. Yeah. Alex asked you to bring the message on, um, sort of that, the, well, the last movement of it, which was balance between work, balance, yes. work, yeah. rest, yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. And um, you you did, but you kind of did it with a little bit of a twist. Can you t- talk about that? Well, um, the the minute that Alex asked me, of course, I'm, you know, just a little backstory. This is our first community in 30, 
seven years that we weren't leading. Mm. And so when we got here, we just fell in love with South for all kinds of reasons. Um, Our goal was just to be present, Mm. you know, especially to the staff and their families, uh, but but to anyone and not try to lead anything Mm. um, and to make sure with my personality if I'm not aware of that, I will end up leading something, even though I'm not trying to, you know. So um, so when you ask me to preach, of course, I, I want to serve in any way yeah. I can. And, and my mom used to say I was talking from the moment I came out of the womb. So I love it. it may be one thing that yeah. I can offer. So when you ask me to preach in this particular series, because I believe the emotions are so important. I mean, mm-hmm. they're so they're the most powerful thing inside us. We'd like to think that our prefrontal cortex and all our ideas mm-hmm. are the most powerful thing that mm-hmm. we bring to the table. But the neurobiological community has shown very clearly that um, you could have all kinds of Bible verses in your mind. Mm-hmm. But if you have a damaged, wounded emotion that's coming up against that Bible verse, mm-hmm. that emotion, that damaged emotion will win every time. Mm-hmm. So I, when you ask me to be a part of this series, I'm like, Oh, yeah, I will move heaven and earth yeah. to, to do that. And then when you said, um, when you said work, rest, balance, of course, immediately I went toward the hard part of that because, you know, I was raised in a Christianity that would have been saying, OK, here are the rules. Yeah. And it never worked. And of course, what we know now is, again, neurobiology is that our brains aren't wired to respond to rules to say you need to take a 24 hour period off. That may be true, but if that's the way we approach it. Good luck. Mm. We're not wired to respond that way. We are wired to respond to love. Mm. And ironically, my my heart went immediately from uh, God instituting the Sabbath, which, as we talked about, was never meant to just be about a day. It was about to reconnect with the one Mm. who loves us Mm -hmm. and can get done more in six days than we can in seven. Mm. And then Jesus basically never mentions the day except to shift it. Anytime he deals with Sabbath, he says, you know, the Sabbath, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. It it was meant to serve us in our spirit and our, in our, our way of being with God to unleash us and to set us free. I think there's such a beautiful humor to Jesus' statement there, because you can almost have this momentary picture of God having created this Sabbath day. I mean, like, man really need to make me some people to rest in it like this is just yeah the day's incomplete right right right. it's it's just it's a nonsense jesus does that so often and we miss his humor no he is his humor is subtle and ironic but if you find it you'll find yourself (laughs) guffawing your way through the gospel right yeah 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 but the passage i immediately went to was matthew 11 and so i i didn't really want to talk about getting, you know, certain time periods off because that isn't what Jesus talked mm-hmm. about. He did talk about what was going on yeah. In here. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I wish I had your slides in front of me because there was one of the slides where you worded it. Um, because there's, well, you did, you talked a little bit about there's a, a rest of like the body of like, I'm going <laughs> to unplug or I'm going to veg sort of, and I don't know how you phrased it exactly. Yeah. And you're like, that's not what this is about. This is about connection and relationship with God. And I think that's, that's a big counterintuitive. They're like, oh yeah, I could take a Sabbath as long as I get to do a Netflix binge. Yeah. And then they leave feeling emptier than when they started. Bingo. Um, And so, yeah, unpack that a little bit, like uh, maybe some practical things. How do, how do I enter into 
a Sabbath-ish practice in such a way that isn't shame-driven, that isn't yeah. obligatory, but also has some some potential of helping me connect with Jesus. Yeah, yeah for real. And you know, if we would have had a whole series on just that topic, we could have unpacked all of that, you know, yeah. the next three yeah. weeks. Maybe but we will. Maybe. <laughs> um, first of all, just to clarify, and I know you guys would say this too, in and of itself, to take a day off for a Netflix flicks binge, there's nothing inherently wrong with yeah. that. Yeah. But the point is, if I bring my anxious spirit into that space. That's so smart. Looking yeah. to somehow, by watching yeah. the Netflix show for 12 hours, come away going, oh, I'm rested. No, because we took our anxious self in and we're taking our anxious self out. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. for me, for any period of time, whether it's an hour, uh, whether it's a week, whether it's a sabbatical, we have got to be asking ourselves, how in the middle of a moment are we dealing with our non-restful heart or our restless heart, our anxious heart? What I was trying to maybe encourage our, our community to consider is that he is right there, uh -huh. that he is absolutely in love with us, that he's never letting us go. Mm -hmm. And if we allow ourselves, I mean, his invitation to come mm -hmm. is simply to turn and to see him and to say, it's yours. Well, I, th I think there's so much like that you th pointed me towards in terms of rest. Like the, the day, yes, taking a day, one, nothing wrong with it, two, can actually be a really helpful unplug. But most people that are, you know, married or in a relationship of any kind, really, and that have any sense <clears throat> of conscientiousness or care for the other person. Right. There's always the outliers where, you know, there's the husband's like, I don't care what my wife feels like. Thinks yeah, about well, they need to other. get but, but, life. But, but most of us know, even if you get a chance to do what you want to do, and, and there's something off with the relationship, you, you can't really be at rest. I, I, I have this memory of, um, of, of taking, I was going to go play golf with some with some friends uh, and whoever messed up the calendar there was there was a uh, a staff meeting booked at that time when i was a youth pastor yeah and i remember seeing this come up i'm like i'm not canceling this goal for that staff meeting like i'm just gonna go well done and like you know what, well, well I, don't, I don't know i don't know because all the way around i just had this sense of like oh man i'm supposed to be in this meeting and i'm not really <laughs> enjoying it i'm not really resting at all midway through i'm like Hit a great drive down the ninth hole. I get this phone call from my boss saying, hey, Alex, where are you? We're just starting the meeting. I'm uh, like, oh, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I didn't have it on my calendar or something like that. Yeah. And and the whole day was a bit of a wash. It was one of my least enjoyable rounds of golf because yeah. there was this distance. Yeah. I've, I've had moments where something's off with Laura and I, and I go and try and do something restful. And I can't really relax. There's, I may not be working, but my internal spirit That's is off exactly and disconnected. Right. And I think mm. what you really brought to me was this sense that taking 24 hours off is fine. But if there's not this sense of my heart is at rest in the one who loves me. How about this? If there's not a sense that he is here, mm -hmm. I mean here, not mm. out there looking down going, I see you. Yeah. He is here, which he promised, not metaphorically. He is with us. He loves us, mm. and he's not letting us go. And if if I if I know that in, in my gut, then 
anything I do for that hour off, that week off, that day off, it's going to be okay. I mean, not anything, but anything yeah, you know, yeah. that, that is for me restful, it's going to be good. Yeah. And I'll come out having truly rested, mm. but my, my suspicion, and I'm not saying that getting that day off can't move us in that direction because I think it can. If you, especially for those of us who might want to experience maybe a guided day off mm-hmm. or, until we get into that rhythm. But if we're not in that rhythm, what I'm finding is it, you know, as I work with people and even in my own journey is that you get into that day off and you, you turn to look at God and you are feeling not loved, but so much shame. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked just for a moment on Sunday about the one pastor that I've been walking with, um, who, when I told him that God missed him, mm-hmm. he said, yeah. I mean, it's the only time he w- wasn't talking in, in the entire time that we've, we've been together. He's just, he's a talker and, and <laughs> has a lot to say in grand five. I like him already. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and when, and when, and I really do love this guy, but when I said, no, he really does, he got quiet and he could not to believe it. So we we could have taken another hour just to talk about, do you really think that he's with you? Mm. Do you really believe that he loves you, Mm. that he's not looking at you with that scornful disappointment that maybe Mm. that face in our past Mm. looked at us with? Because if I can see him with me and loving me, and saying, I'm the king, and I've mm. got you, and I've got all of it, all the way home, mm. then I might be able to open my hands I think, I think and it was, turn it over. I think it was yeah. maybe, maybe Louis Smeeds, the writer, said, said at one point, um, there was a guilt in him, not for any concrete sins or anything he could actually trace, Boom. but a sense of unworthiness yeah. and a sense of disappointment. Yep. And really what he needed more than anything was a sense that God owned him and held him. Even if the thing that he had on his hands wasn't awfully attractive or pretty or bright or smart, but there was that ownership of like, this is my thing. I think it's absolutely true. And all we have to do is look in the gospels, the way he, I mean, everybody he went up to in some way was wallowing in shame. And he went up. You remember what, uh, I think it was Donald Miller said, he he went around going up to the people that everybody walked by mm-hmm. and they wouldn't yeah. even look at them in some cases because it would have been, it would have made them ceremonially mm. unclean, for example, yeah, yeah. to look at a leper. Yeah. But he would go up to them. He said, and then one day God comes walking down the street, uh-huh. walks up yeah. to each of them, looks at them in a way that makes them feel valued, touches them in a way that makes them feel like they matter. Mm-hmm. And then with all of their shame, something about him loved them and pushed back that darkness. Mm. Then Miller said that must have been the greatest moment in their lives. And there's We're that, all yeah. looking for that. Yeah. And there's always that switch that you see in the stories where suddenly the things that mattered before no longer matter because yeah. they were only... Zacchaeus is that story that comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Luke the, the wealth no longer matters. Yeah. The, the money yeah. that he's built up. Boom. It's like... There was no four hours of counseling. Uh-huh. It was just They were with the one... He was with the one that loved him in the midst of his stuff. Yeah. In fact, don't you love the early part of that story when the, the, the crowds are thronging uh-huh. Jesus and there's this one little guy who's filled with so much shame and also he has short person syndrome, whatever. <laughs> I mean, the, the yeah. story kind of indicates yeah. that he does. Yeah. But he gets up in the tree just to get a glimpse of oh, this man. Okay. There's something inside him that says, could it be? Yeah. 
that there's something for me from this brother, the yes. love or whatever. And then Jesus, with the people shouting at him, give me attention. He walks right up and I, I sees him. I oh, mean, oh man. my gosh, are you, I'm Zacchaeus. Yeah. If, if so much taller, it, it's much taller. <laughs> same <laughs> amount of shame. Sometimes if I can know that that's the Jesus that's searching for mm. me and that wants to love me in spite of whatever I'm bringing at that moment in my hands, then I might be able to take a breath and mm. open those hands and yeah. find rest. I can, I can just, to me, I just picture Jesus like preparing for that moment, just being like, this like is be so good. excited, this is be right? He's like, I gotta make my way around this corner. And this this guy, gonna, like, I got him. I'm gonna see this guy. Yeah. Oh, man. So, um, so I had this counselor tell me once that was like a little bit counterintuitive, but I think it's in align with alignment with what you're saying. Um, he was talking about you know my marriage and connecting with my wife, and he said, um. Aaron, you've got to stop working on the issues in your marriage for a moment and just experience joy in the company of your wife. Oh, my goodness. So he said, can I get joy, the name and number of that? Therapy, yeah. <laughs> he says, joy is the thing that creates the strength that your That's relationship beautiful. needs to handle the weight of the hard stuff. Mm. You need to have the hard conversations. But right now, he, he actually used this visual, visual illustration of like you're a bridge between you and your spouse or someone you're trying to reconcile with or whatever. And he says, um, joy is the bridge yeah, that's going to connect the two. And if the bridge is rickety and then you try and drive the, drive the Mack truck of this wound yeah. or this anger that they had, the thing they said to you, drive this Mack truck over this tiny rickety bridge, it can't hold the weight. Oh, so good. So he's like, go do something that you both love to do reconnect, establish joy, and then you can drive the Mack truck over when it's time because mm. the bridge is so much more strengthened. And, and so the same thing is true with our relationship with God. Amen to that. And so like things like Sabbath, things like these practices, which God made for man. Yeah, he did. Are, are meant to allow us to experience the joy of being in his presence, of being loved yes. like no human could possibly love of being seen, of being acknowledged, all of these things. And then and then if there's stuff that needs to be dealt with, yeah. it sits on the on the the beauty and the strength of that joy and that love, rather than of like obligation and shame and guilt and how dare you do this and all those sorts of that's not where sin is dealt with. No, it's not. I mean, and, and you can fit right into that. So many of the things that Jesus said, but you know, my personal favorite is John 15, nine, as the father has loved me. So love I you, Aaron, Alex, mm -hmm. Kevin. So that Greek word meno, which is so rich and so multi-layered abide here. Mm -hmm. Make your home here. Yeah. yeah, He could have so easily said, make your home in Torah. Make sure that you unpack every jot and tittle of the law. God's heart was in the law, but in the heart of the Torah even was his love. Mm. So um, Jesus says, that's where we need to make our home. And my loving relationship toward you that will never fail you. Mm. Let's go there. And then whatever comes out of that, Mm. will be what will set you free. Uh, Andrew, yeah. Andrew Murray in his, his book, Abide in Christ, talks about how Jesus makes those two offers. This come to me, 
that, that we we you covered this week for us yeah and then there's also abide with me yeah so it's really it's really like come and then stay yeah. you don't have to you don't have to leave no uh, and we, it's it's not visit occasionally uh-huh. or on your day off yeah. it's live there and we yeah. i think we forget that though i think we 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 recognize the the calm invitation and then forget the abide invitation i always love that that moment in the narnia stories where it's i think it's in the last one where the 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 three children or uh, i think at that point the five children they realize that they don't have to leave again Ugh. like that they're staying for good uh, and yet that's actually our You're invitation all the time. Here, like it's just, it's just, it's just stay. It is. You get to stay. And, and, you know, you, you can even go to like, I, I think the key parable in Jesus' entire ministry of parables, which is Luke 15, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. you know, when that young man comes home after being in the far country, it's like when, when, when the father meets him and he wraps him up in his arms and he, and he kisses him with compassion and, and orders um, his household to bring all the gifts appropriate mm-hmm. for a son uh, that's being celebrated. It's as if he's whispering in his ear, you're home mm. and you never have to leave never home to leave again. Me. So I'm intrigued by what Aaron was saying about the relationship aspect. Cause I think they, you see the mirrors in the divine relationships and the human relationships. Yeah. There's this TV show that I, is one of my favorite shows of all time called Life in Pieces, and it takes these little snapshots of these these three families. Uh, and one of the families, they've just had their first kid, and they've gone through this cycle of, you know, she's now four or five months old, and they realize they haven't done anything, just the two of them, uh, in five months. Yeah, Like, it's just been go, 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 the stress of life. And yeah. she slices a hand open while accidentally while cooking. And she has to go to the hospital. So they, they drop the kid with some, some family members and they're sat in this waiting room. And it's, it's always like, you know, like, no, we'll get to you when you get, we get to you. It's been hours. And then in the midst of sitting there for hours, they suddenly start like joking with each other and having these fun conversations. They go off to the, 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 the candy machine and they get candy and, and, and they, they say, okay, Mrs. Short, your turn. And she's they're kind of like, ah, oh, this, this was fun. And then just at that moment, this ambulance comes pulling up and, and they, they're compiling in with the gurneys and they're like, multi-pile crash. Like, you know, like, you know, we're, and they're like, we'll get to you when we get to you. And they go, and they walk off kind of hand in hand down the hospital thing. And it's, it's this beautiful it's moment like, in the midst of like the chaos of life that they realize they actually still like each other. And that the, the, the yeah, thing that brought them it. together actually still matters. And that before there were kids, there was them. And before there was important jobs there was them i think most christians still and i would include myself in this believe that the major thing god wants for them is to do stuff for him well, you know we talked about it on sunday how many of us really believe that his main goal for us is to use us yes totally yeah now if i know that you are in love with me. And I like using that language. It seems almost awkward, but I think that, I think it's, you know, we don't have time to go into it, but it's everywhere in scripture that he doesn't just love us. He's, he's in love with us. We're his bride. So if it's true that he's in love with us, then, and then if he says one day, you know what, there's these folk over here that don't know, Hmm. would you like to partner with me to Hmm. go now? In a sense, you could say technically he's using us, but it certainly doesn't feel like Hmm. he's using us. All I'm doing is loving him in return. 
All I want to do is help other people know the one who loves them mm. like he loves us. Mm. It's a totally different framework. Mm. Yeah, it's like it's life giving. Yeah, the the I, <laughs> the beautiful and comical irony of the of the biblical story is that if if that's the framework, like it's pretty a foolish framework. Like God, the creator of the universe, the one who can whip us into shape yeah. at the snap of a yeah. finger, who can set the world in order, like effortlessly mm -hmm. um why does he need us like, uh, it, it's he in, does it it's insanity he and does, so yeah so he's like oh god god would get done in the world what he wants to get done in the world if we could just get our act together mm. and he's like okay yeah or i mean i could just do it mm -hmm. what i'm actually after is you mm -hmm. and um Remember what you're Kurt so Thompson? Yeah, you're so distracted by all the stuff that exactly that I can't get after you because you're trying to do stuff for me. It's so <laughs> true. And remember when you guys first fell in love? I mean, I remember when I first fell in love. And I'm telling you, all I wanted to do was to be with that mm. person that I was mm -hmm. falling in love with and do for them yeah. out of love. That's it. Yeah. What if that was intended to be the ambiance mm. of our relationship with Christ? I, and, I think, yeah, you, I remember the, the youth uh, specialties fan of Mike Iaconelli once said, Mike Yac I love that. Such man, a great guy. Like, yeah, yeah. Pretty incredible guy. But I remember he said, you know, his strategy for ever fixing marital crises in young married couples was he said, what I do is I book them a hotel room and I give them a couple of bottles of wine uh, and he said, like, because he said it sounds so stupid, but what it does is it actually invites them to not overthink everything, to not stress about doing and just enjoy each other's company. Yep. Uh, and and so obviously it's it's it, that that's kind of that's Mike being Mike to a degree. But um, but I think Sabbath is weirdly this invite to not believe you doing stuff fixes it's, the world. It's an invitation to go to the hotel with your God and yeah, have a couple yeah, of bottles yeah. of wine. Yeah. I'm not trying to be crude, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so simple. And so I loved Wayne Mueller. I don't know if either of you guys ever read Wayne Mueller's book on Sabbath. Did not. Oh, man. And no. Wayne has some, like, his, his theology, like, you wouldn't agree with everything. Like, and he pulls in these different <laughs> traditions and stuff. But he, he gives this list of practices and, and like some of them, like you read them and it's like, you know, it gets to the evening of the, the, because Sabbath starts with the evening and he says, yeah. you know, light a candle or alone or with friends, like enjoy a meal, whatever needed to be done will no longer get done today. It's yeah. gonna be, and, it, and it's so restful. <clears throat> and I remember yeah. Ruth Haley Barton talking about reading this book and saying she just wept. Because she said, I had nothing in my life that was that gentle. Oh, my gosh. Like, it just, there was nothing that allowed yeah. me to be like that. Because there's always seeds to be sown or always a harvest to bring. There's a list, always, of stuff. Yeah, always. And so actually learning to, like, just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of an old story at, at this point because it's come up on the podcast multiple times. This is one of the reasons why I play disc golf. Yeah. Because it means absolutely yeah. nothing. Mm. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to go pro. I'm never going to make a living at this. Yeah. I'm not going to get famous. Wait, people make a, a living playing disc golf? Yes, they do. <laughs> it's crazy. That's insane. <laughs> Two new ones just signed $10 million contracts. Anyway. It's almost I like know, real golf at this I know, point. it's weird. Yeah. But anyway, like, I, when I'm out on the course, it's a massive waste of time. Yeah. As far as like productivity is concerned, I'm most, a lot of the time I'm out there alone. No one's observing how cool I am. 
right. or not cool I am. And so when I'm done with the round, it was just two and a, two hours, two and a half hours of useless time. And the world kept spinning. And I was not needed by anyone. The shots mattered to me, but that's it. But not really. But not really in the grand scheme. And so, like, it it is that thing. And I do a lot of, like prayer and diagnosis of my soul during that time because how meaningless it is. Mm. And that's why it's Sabbath rest to me. It's like, I don't know. Um, well, let me add a, let me add a piece to that image. What if our God who calls himself your Abba is standing there with you on mm. every hole going, that's my boy. Mm. And look at him. He is, he is smiling ear to ear. He is running after those discs. I'm just loving it that he's filled with joy and doing absolutely nothing mm. of value except enjoying the world that I have made for him. What if that absolutely. is an added image? Yeah, yeah and that's and because that's most of the time, is. if we do what you just said, we're thinking God's going, okay, chop, chop. When you get done with this, then mm. can we get back to the real work yeah. here? What if that's not him? Yeah, so, absolutely. And the beautiful thing, like, so, so the, I think the, the bizarre, there is a value to, to, to the rest outside of, even if you're someone listening, yeah. like, I don't really know Jesus yet. I'm not, Indeed. I'm still figuring that out. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole p- bunch of research <clears> done <throat> on the fact that people who own dogs are psychologically happier than Absolutely. People. I don't yeah. know if I believe yeah, that. Yeah, you're, you're the exception <laughs> to the rule. Like, you know, you're the, like, he I, hasn't embraced his dog yet. He, has he not, hasn't. No, no. He hasn't. Uh, but, but some of it is actually owning a dog well requires walking. And walking requires moving at a slow pace without achieving much. You walk in a circle, you get back to your house. You didn't you get to go to the bathroom. That's it. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't get to go somewhere. You just, you just you operated. And so... It requires you to put aside things that are important and do something that achieves nothing, right. really. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just don't walk your dog. I don't, I know. don't walk my dog. <laughs> That's the problem. Like, you got to start walking Probably. the dog. Probably. Um, Dogs, <laughs> plural. So, so psychologically, yeah, those people are just happier. We should um, have a counseling session about this right now because I have problems with my dog. Oh, no, yeah. boy. I actually think your dog needs the, the, the counseling session. Oh, like, I, I guarantee it. The I dog has a it. problem with its own. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's justified. But, but I think something that pulls you out of the, the achievement cycle, because um, this country especially oh my gosh. Will, will nail you with that. <clears throat> There's always another quota to meet. There's always another achievement. There's, you know, there's the, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the the philosopher that described it as the come on, kitty, 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 keeps leading you through yeah. all these different stages of achievement. And you've talked about this with church growth. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Maybe, maybe last time we got breakfast, you mentioned yeah. it, you know, there's the, well, we had to make 500. Oh, now we've got to make 700. Oh, we're pushing And I always said, it's not about that. And then every week I was checking those numbers ah. and, and I, when we got the 2000, which was when I got fired. It was still not enough. Yeah. Well, and that that's, I mean, we're talking about money this week. And, and I read a little quote. It was an interview with Donald Trump years ago where they said to him, how much money would you need to make to be enough? He said about 10% more. And then they went and interviewed a guy on the, they call it Smoky Mountain in Manila. It's a trash dump. Where yeah, I know that. Mount, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I know. And they asked the guy, to, yeah. how much more do you need to make to, to be okay? He said about 10%. Yeah. And, and, and the guy writing said, I bet you, you asked, 
your congregation, ask them how much more they need, and 90% of your congregation will say, 10% more. Yeah. If you ask the church, how much? 10% more. Yeah. Um, and so there's always another thing. There's a carrot right there to. that you can yeah. never get to, man. Yes. And so anything that pulls you out of that cycle actually has some value. But to do it with God in relationship with him, knowing you are loved and that he rejoices in your doing of nothing. I mean, Jewish people didn't even have a service to go to no. on Sabbath. No. It, wasn't, it wasn't a church service. They no, just, it wasn't. Like they, mm-hmm. Right. They just stayed home with family. Right. Like, made food. I know. Mm. So, so you, the message, your sort of anchor text was this great Matthew 11 mm. text. Um, so, it's a, such a familiar passage. How, how did you approach this passage knowing that, like, I don't want them to get lost in the fact that, oh, I've heard this sermon before. Like, yeah. what, what was your process there um, for this particular text? Or was there, why did this text jump out at you as like the right one for this moment? That's two My different gosh. questions. I, mean, I apologize. No, that's okay. Um, you know, so much you, I mean, this has just been my rhythm over the years. So much happens to me intuitively. I don't, mm. um, so it, it, unlike many times when I've spoken, which is literally 45 to 5,000 times over a 40 year period, which is unbelievable. No wonder I have damaged vocal cords. But um, in this particular talk, you might've noticed that I introduced the text and, and the fact that Jesus was not introducing us to a day, but inviting us to himself. Mm-hmm. And then we pulled back from the text to, to talk about even neurobiologically, why, uh, and then in the journey of scripture, why, what our greatest anxiety is, is that the one that our hearts long for the most, we're wired to long for him and his love, we're afraid that he might have left us or mm. will leave us. And then at that point, everybody's going, yeah, mm. that it's not even just the thing that I'm worried about. I've, I might be able to handle the thing. It might be a cancer diagnosis. It might be a lost job. It might be something smaller or even larger. But if he's with me, the one who loves me most, and I know he's not going to leave me like Carla when I had cancer that I've told you guys about, then, okay, I, I, I can do this. The fear of being abandoned by the one we need the most when folk are saying, that's what I'm, that's what, I could find rest if I knew that he had not left me, but was with me. Then we come back to Jesus saying, come to me. Yeah. And I will give you rest. And people are ready to hear it. And I think at that point, they're ready to hear it in a new way. Mm. That's just my opinion. In fact, I didn't yeah. even think about that until you asked me that. Mm. But I think if I went back to my process, yeah. that was probably what I was intuiting. What? Yeah. It, yeah, and on. it came across for sure that it Definitely. had sort of a freshness to this particular yeah. passage. And that's why I was curious is like, if it was a conscious choice, if it was more of that intuitive choice. And can I just say one more thing? Not to interrupt, but one of my processes and and if I'm, as I'm talking to pastors, if they want to talk shop at all, and we talk about preaching, this is what I always share. Um, You know, they want to know how to exegete a text or, you know, where do you put the conclusion? Where do you put the transitions? Fine. You can learn that in seminary, read a book about it. But in my view, my process is always, Father, first, let this text Mm. 
hit me beyond my prefrontal cortex. Let it go to some place in my my spirit where I'm literally weeping tears of joy or maybe some tears of sadness Mm. or tears of depth. It just got that passage has gotten me then. I want to turn my heart toward the folk that are becoming in. They have got to move from being an audience. If they're an audience, then all I am is a speaker giving a talk. But if I can see them like Jesus saw those folk um, when he was preaching to them in Galilee um, as sheep without a shepherd like me. And then Jesus said, the author said then he had compassion on mm. them so that when I'm, when I'm thinking of what I'm sharing, I'm thinking of folk coming in broken. They can look good, but they're hurting mm. their tears right behind their eyeballs or maybe way behind their eyeballs because they've denied them for so long. They're living in patterns of coping and whatnot, but they're not going to, you know, just get out of the car in the parking lot and go, you know, I just want everybody to know I'm a wreck today. I mean, it, that, that's well, not the way we do church yeah. in, in, in America, but they are in some way they're wrestling with the yeah. powers of darkness. So I try to construct whatever I'm sharing, thinking this text, it could be in Leviticus or it could be in Revelation, has to somehow flow through God, God's heart to my broken heart that needs healing mm. into the hearts of the folk who are there. So if I haven't gotten at the end of my prep, to being able to say, I think the folks' hearts are going to respond to this, not just their left brain, but their hearts. Then I'm not, I'm not equipped to get up there. And yeah. I love, I love how you that came across so, so evidently. I loved how you took that because there is the weird turn in the text, right? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest by giving you a yoke. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, you know, my youngest daughter who, you know, I love her so much. She's not, she's a Christian and I love Jesus, but doesn't go to church that much right Mm -hmm. now for a lot of reasons. But she came all the way over from Boulder Mm -hmm. to come to church. She said, you know what hit me today, dad? She said, I've always wondered about that yoke thing Mm -hmm. and how you, you shared that Jesus took a bad illustration, Mm -hmm. uh, an image of slavery actually, and said, no, this is about intimacy. This Mm -hmm. is about love. It changed everything in that text for her, Uh which... For me, that was a last-minute addition because I thought, I don't think you can pass by this. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. telling me he's 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 you know he's gentle and lowly of heart, and he's inviting mm-hmm. me to come home. But look what I have waiting for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, a yoke. Yeah, yeah. So my first study Bible had like the wide margins, and I drew a picture of like of a this, yoke of a cartoon character, okay, wearing a yoke, but then the yoke had wings and was carrying the the person wearing it. So oh, I love that. And so that's that when I studied this passage, I was like, this is a yoke that like it, it does the work. The yoke does the work of that is that I'm expected to do. The yoke is easy and the burden is light. Yeah, exactly. I was like, so it had little wings on the yoke and the little well like, done, cartoon dude. character in my Bible and stuff. And so every time I read this passage, I see this little cartoon character that I drew in my Bible <laughs> it, way back in my first year of Bible well, college. Well, I think there's, so. lo- there's loads of, like loads of, as with most texts, loads of fun little quirks to this text. One of the things that I think I heard or read in a book once was um, that, that actually most young oxen or trainees were paired with a stronger oxen so they didn't really do anything there you go they, they were tied to this powerhouse of a worker that they just got to be along for the ride and learn the, do, do, learn do. the ropes yeah 
And, and, and that's great. I, I mean, that's I, great. Cause, cause you read texts and especially if you're in pastoral ministry, you read them so often that you actually, I think that was it. Dallas Willard said familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. Oh yeah. Like yeah. You, it's not contempt. It's just like, I'm just not really reading and taking mm. it in anymore. And I love that the message version of this, which, and I, I, have we even read this text out to the people listening? I don't think so. To, to the, the, the NIV version says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle yeah. and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. In the message, it says, uh, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced rhythms of grace. Yeah. I won't lay yeah. anything heavy or real fitting on you. Keep company <clears throat> with me. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's a famous uh, message uh-huh. quote. You've yeah, heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did that come from? Matthew 11. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. The awesome. unforced rhythms of grace. That's that's just it's that's yeah, some good writing right there. It is. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Huh. So it's Thursday after the message. It's had the words that you you shared on Sunday has had some time to sort of blossom in people's hearts. Yeah. Some of that some of that blossoming may have taken place in service and it landed and they felt it and mm-hmm. there was maybe tears and People were prayed for all various things, yeah. but for some, it might have on Sunday just been a a little bit of a a cracking of the hard shell. Yeah, and indeed, if there was anything in the middle of the week from your message that you're like, I I still have this burden for a listener out there mm-hmm. who's like, it was curious. I was curious about what he was saying. I'm not there yet. Yeah, I'm not willing to go and believe that yet. What What would you say to them now, midweek? I, if you missed everything, get this. Yeah, that is so good. And I think for me, it kind of always comes back down to this, that when we are in our right human space, right human space, meaning our, our, our true selves, we, we are wired to respond to those who give us love, Mm. unconditional love and acceptance. And I think one of the tricks of the enemy, one of the main tricks is to deceive us into thinking that Jesus of Nazareth somehow looks to us like the demanding father or the mother who ignored us, or that we see him with this finger pointing saying more, 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 or you'll never be enough, or why can't you get your act together? Mm. I think I would invite that person who's saying something happened in me, but I I don't really know what to do. What to do next? I think I would invite them to consider that maybe the Jesus that their heart is longing for is the Jesus of this text the one who is not pointing at them, is not giving them a list, is not saying, what about that thing you did last night? What about that thing you did five years ago? Mm. He's just saying, I see you, and I see all of you. I see all of it, the good and the not so good. 
and I love you with all of my heart. Mm. And I'm inviting you today to just take a step toward me. Mm. Because to take a step toward me and my love for you is to take a step toward home. You don't have to leap. Just take a step. I'm right here. Just turn your face toward me and believe Mm. that maybe I'm not pointing my finger. I'm not giving you more shame. Mm. I am loving you right where you are. And I'm inviting you to let me be your home. And then let's see what that stay at home with me will do with the wound and the pain in your life. Mm. Have you, have you found as you've been working with pastors and different leaders, have you found that there is, um, a common or a, a a good, well-worn path step that people can take towards that? I, I might be leading the witness. I have an idea myself, but I, I might be different than yours. Is there like something that typically unlocks it for people. He does this to me all the time. I usually just say, well, what's your idea? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to take that bait. I'm going to throw something in the ring. And then, and maybe when he says, I'll go, Oh no, what I meant was that. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying there's a right answer either. I I think, well, no, without sounding like super pious and religious, the answer is to see him. Mm. If we see him as he is, we will come to him because mm. we're made, we're wired to come to that love. But I would say that for those of us who have been so damaged by other images that have taken over his face, I mean, I had God love my mom who's in glory and my dad who is still alive, but they were very religious, but did not, for the most part, let me see the face mm. of Jesus. It was more a face of legalism, law, disappointment, shame, finger pointing. It took a long time for me to heal to 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 see his face change to the one that is the Jesus that walked to the cross with me on his mind mm, to yeah. bear my sins and out of his love. So I, I think the invitation to see, am I sick and tired of being sick and tired? Mm. In other words, even if I'm not sure what Jesus looks like right now, have I gotten to the point where I'm done? To think of that guy on the screen, yeah. I am burdened. I have been fighting this burden, whatever it is, or series of burdens for so long. I cannot do it anymore. Mm. You have tried every um, mm. every pathway of alleviating that mm. burden, that pain. What would it be like if today this would be the step to have the courage to think and to take a step toward the one who just might not be like all those burdening faces from your past, those wounding faces, but might be the one who loves you with all of his heart. And to, in your spirit, take a step, literally maybe call it out. Jesus, I don't think I know you and I'm afraid of you, but I've tried everything else. So today I am taking a step toward you, opening my hands, believing Mm -hmm. that could it be that you love me and I'm, I'm praying hope against hope that you'll meet me there. I think the most burden of our of our brothers and sisters, that might be what I invite them to, to have mm. courage to do. Yeah. Well, I, so the, the, the thought I had in my mind is, and this is a hard recommendation to give because it's actually maybe risky. Um, 
for some reason, <clears throat> the in the kindness of God, yeah. he tends to use people who have experienced that love for themselves. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Extend it to another. And there's something, and this is, you might not even notice that you do this consciously anymore, but you become a surrogate lover, surrogate father, yes. surrogate Indeed. Uh, presence, physical presence to offer a, a hug, a, a touch, an affirming word, Indeed. a gazing into someone's Indeed. eyes. So the reason that's a hard recommendation to make is to find someone who will do that for you is because honestly... Not everyone can, and uh, some indeed. of them will damage you even worse. Yes, even pastors, even counselors, because they will choose to be the final destination of your praise rather than the the surrogate who genuinely who points, you, points toward, you back yes, towards Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. So I can't. <clears throat> there's a list of counselors that we can offer and stuff that we know and who are good at this sort of thing. But if you if you can find a soul and a who you see in them, mm. that safety, a person who knows that they are loved, they might be someone who can just sit across the table from you and look in your eyes and be the, the love of Jesus. I, I, I think that's, in fact, that really goes hand in hand with what yeah. I just said. Yeah, it's just absolutely. They're, they're hand in glove. So my, my answer was both of your answers. Yeah, of yeah. course, of course. But, but I think, of course. Yeah, of course, yeah. But, but I think the he piece, had fifty percent. I had fifty percent. You have hundred. The reason, the reason <laughs> for this is this picture of if you're in a place where I think your life feels like you may not be able to point a finger to. It. In actual fact, usually you can't, and maybe are only just starting to see it. But if you have this sense of you know, I, I don't feel lovable, I don't feel yeah. able to love, I don't feel like there's all of these different things. What a really good counselor or a really good friend or really good pastor will do is is that something that to me seems like you know you see these these pictures of places where the river's blocked up, yeah, and everything's dry, the watering hole or whatever it's like there's nothing there anymore, yeah, and it takes someone who knows to be able to follow it upstream and they they remove the right stuff that lets the river start flowing again, yeah, I think a good counselor does that they do they take you on this journey back up through history, through your, your, your own journey. And somewhere they're able to take that finger that's so precise and say, that's the thing. Or, or like, do you think that could be the thing? Or any of those. And, and, and suddenly it feels like suddenly things start unblocking. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's almost like um, the step towards Jesus might include, I've tried everything else. What he said resonates yeah. the step might be for you i feel like i'm pretty put together but clearly something's not working yeah i'm gonna finally schedule an appointment with a counselor and and maybe and even one of us or I mean, one of us or whatever I, it may be i <laughs> yeah. i don't know if i'm very good at that to be I, I always joke with people when they come for counseling i don't charge anything i'm crap but i'm free <laughs> but, and i know you're joking kind of not maybe but but you know, again, not to overquote the neurobiological community, but I've just been fascinated in how they mm -hmm. back up what Scripture says. Yeah. Think of Jesus moving toward somebody like the woman at the mm -hmm. well. When he got there, he didn't say much mm -hmm. to begin with. She was the one who was doing the talking. Yeah. But his presence with her, because he loved her, mm -hmm. began to resonate. Uh, the brain language is, 
her limbic brain begin to track with his limbic brain of love for mm. her. The psychological term is attunement. She began to attune mm. to his love because it was real. Mm. It's almost psychic. It's not psychic, but that's how strong our brains yeah. are. So if somebody walks into Alex's office and because you're in love with Christ and Christ has shown his love to you mm. so that you really do love mm. this person that came in not knowing if they're loved, even that kind of unconscious, unspoken attunement mm -hmm. begins to heal the mm -hmm. brokenness. Yeah. Which, by the way, is why this is one of the reasons I love South is that my sense is we're trying to create space when we gather for those of us who have been uh, graced with a little healing toward the love of Christ out of our own mm -hmm. brokenness to be present to those who might come in with a little less and we've we've talked yeah. about that before like church changes when there's loads of people that come with that sense of god who are you calling me to show your love to today not not that's like, it is this is this sermon gonna is it gonna hit me in the sweet spots is it gonna like is, is aaron gonna be his is his voice like is it gonna be good today is it if they're could, feeling something from you and your preaching. They're feeling something yeah. from you and your leading. Is it love or is it performance? Yeah. Is it love and brokenheartedness for me? Or is it, I hope you like me yeah. Yeah, or whatever. They're feeling that. So some, yeah. imagine, I mean, imagine a community where a few hundred people come together every week saying, God, who, who are you calling me to hug that? Uh, who are you calling me to, that. to show love to in some particular way? That's a life changing type of community. Yeah. Um, well, so I think I'm offering us, even if I don't have the authority yeah, to do that. Yeah, I I, absolutely. And and we also have, uh, <laughs> you know, a place on our website that where we offer some recommendations of some counselors. For therapists, exactly. Uh, that, that, that are part of our community or that we have relationships with and stuff. And so that might be part of that step towards Jesus is to say, you know what, I've never told anyone, but in my effort to step towards Jesus, it's dealing with this or that or the other thing. Um, yeah. One thing we want the folks who are listening to know if there is a person who is saying, I'm not sure there's anything in that black bag for me. Yeah. Uh, we want them to know that we, we see them right now mm -hmm. and that we feel them Yeah, and that we are them in some ways. Yeah. We have felt that sometimes we still feel that, but that we, for whatever reason, the grace of God have crossed over into a place where we know, even when we're in the far country of shame for a hot second, we know where home is mm -hmm. and we, we believe in the deepest places inside that he loves us. And we want them to know that we love mm -hmm. We love you. We love you. We love mm -hmm. you. Amen. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, if it could be said better than that, but I think you could. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of the red couch theology podcast. We, we do love y'all and um, Mo, that's curly. Larry, <laughs> there you go. I've been real. Be <laughs> we'll, yeah, ah, take, take those steps. That's right. Jesus. I called can't, you. Can't, can't we be Groucho and Harpo and whatever? We could. We could. Oh man, that's fun. Uh, and of course, my tradition. I'm gonna ramble <laughs> until I can find the stop button. Um, and oh, and I'm logged out. <laughs> so I'm gonna ramble even longer. Because I have to log in. I love that this happened even with two other people to carry on the conversation without you. You know, I, I may have no judgment because I don't know what in the heck he's doing here. So I don't. That's the problem. Yeah, but this is the style of our podcast. I love that. Uh, we just, it's so polished and clean and bye. Bye.